Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoy today's message. Everybody, Rob Moores. Come on, Rev. Hey, whoa. I'm revved up by the sound of it already, ready to go. That sounded pretty good. Well, it seems like 2021 really starts now when school goes back. This is the real start of the year. The last has been a bit of a blur. Maureen and I have been sort of not here for a fair bit of that. Last week, we went to Narracourt. Our daughter preached for the first time in her life. And I want to tell you, she was really good. She knows what she's doing. She's been a woman of God ever since she virtually can remember. Um, she thinks even God touched her heart in the womb. So She got us to church. <laughs> so there you go. And as a teacher in a Christian school, she speaks a lot. And does so she was great. And then the week before we were here, week before that we were at Strathalbyn, and the week before that we were preaching at Narracourt. So... And today it's here. There's five Sundays in January this year. That's amazing. So, really, the year is really starting to kick off from now on. Last year, we had our Christmas service on the lawns. If you've never been to one of those, you're mad. You, you, you know, you, you really need to go to one of those. They're great, they are really informal. There is no Power in the sense of electricity, the power of God's there. Uh, no microphones, no amplifiers, the band just lines. We had four guitars and percussions. It was like something out of the Three Amigos and <laughs> with about that sort of level of, of comedy going on with the whole thing. This church is full of comedians. <laughs> it really is. There's a lot of back chat, a lot of stuff going on. There's coffees given out and God is there. And so we were singing the blessing. And I really love the song. It's just something about it. And as we were singing it, and you come to that line, the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. It's like this cone of translucent glory dropped on me. <laughs> well, I'd like to say that's what it was. Reality is something did drop on me. Something at that moment dropped on me and I thought, that's the message for 2021. Peace. That peace of God. And the bits of the message were sort of just all around it, but without form. And that just, I just worked that out later. And so today, I'm preaching out of that, from out of numbers. And so we've got numbers that's up there. Numbers chapter 6, verses 24, 25 and 26. What is there is out of the NIV, and it goes something like this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So peace is a message for 2021. And the word is taken out of the Hebrew word shalom. And most of you would know that. 
I want to say that shalom is a massive word. It is loaded with meaning. It means much more than just a bit of peace and quiet. Peace in English doesn't cut it, but shalom is an amazing word. So I'm just going to open up some of the meaning of shalom and for some of you, it will change how you feel about yourself today. I'm not going to open up everything about shalom because it is, it's pages and pages out of, a, out of an encyclopedia to, <laughs> to go through that. So at one level, shalom can mean like national security, cessation of war, no more fighting, that sort of peace. It also can mean national prosperity. At a personal level... It can mean things like your prosperity, prosperity for you and your family. And understanding in biblical times, there was no such thing as just you on your own. You and your family were a unit. They thought more like that in terms of a bunch of people rather than themselves. And so prosperity for you meant for you and your family. It meant that your herds would prosper and your flocks would prosper, your land would be abundant and your crops would, be, would prosper. It means all of that. Your wider family would prosper and your community would prosper. It also takes in the meaning of having good health and safety and what's more, just getting a good night's sleep. It takes in all of that. And I'm sure that there are some of you here today who <laughs> say, I want a bit of that already. I want a bit of that already. It also <laughs> takes in the, the sense of harmonious relationships. That's harmonious relationships between, say, a husband and a wife, between a pet, between parents and their children, between children and their parents, and you and your kids and your brothers and sisters and your cousins and your uncles and aunts. It takes in those sorts of things, harmonious relationships within your family and the wider family and your friends and your community. And also, you can just push that around that the harmonious relationships are in the people of God, in the church, in the church family. So very much shalom is part of having harmony within the church family. Now, I've been around for a fair while now. I've been involved with a lot of churches that either Maureen and I have led or we've attended or we've gone to. And I want to say, not everywhere have that we've been there is harmonious relationships within the church family. Often there's bickering and backbiting and stuff like that, and everyone somehow justifying it somehow through the Word of God. But the Word of God basically tells you that have peace amongst yourself. And I spoke that out in, in the foyer this morning. And so harmonious relationships are to do with things like that. It also takes in a sense of being right with God. So shalom, peace of God, is about being right with God. It means that when you are right with God, you have a deep sense of covenant with God. That God has reached out to you and made an agreement with you, which is a good agreement. I will be your God, you will be my people. That is a good covenant to have. And so when you are in a co you understand covenant relationship you know that God has his hand upon you 
and that you're loved and you're forgiven and you're set free from the past. In the Old Testament, there are obligations that went with covenant. Now we're in those times where we are in a covenant relationship with God through Jesus in the new covenant and basically it's unconditional. You are forgiven because he died on the cross. Receive it, believe it, receive it. There's no sacrifices. You don't have to do anything. Jesus has done that on the cross. And Jake pointed that out really well earlier on. And so when you are this sense of of knowing you're right with God, you have this sense of covenant relationship, of being forgiven, set free. The price has been paid when they murdered Jesus on the cross and he rose from the dead and there is life and there's future. Death no longer has the final say. Covenant takes all of this in. That is good. That is good. That is good to know that. And the best thing about it, living in New Testament times, which we do live in, is that it costs you nothing. The price has been paid. You believe it, receive it, and line up with God and go his way, and you've got a life that is worth living. This is what abundant life is about. It is something that is in the heart that's within you, whether life is tough, whether life isn't tough, but there's something flowing that comes from the heart of God that takes you into eternity. So covenant takes all this in. It also, being right with God, means that you have peace with God. Now, I've never quite worked out how you can't have peace with God if you're a Christian, but I do know sometimes there are those who struggle with that. Our daughter, when she preached last week, I just want to say when she preached last week, (laughs) said she can never remember a time in her whole life when she knew she wasn't loved by God. She always knew that. She always knew that. I never even thought about it until I got saved and then it took me a while to work it out. Uh, But she always knew that. So you have peace with God. There was a man that used to live around here at Victor Harbour. I've probably told you this story before. And he's a huge man. You know, he's about, oh, he's several, he's at least that t- much taller than me. He's that far across the shoulders. He has a shaved head and a beard, an American accent. And you know exactly who I'm talking about now. And he was massive, that guy. And on his arm, on his forearm, look, his forearms were bigger than my thighs. You know, like, he was huge. And uh, it had, so he had tattooed on his forearm was a wine glass with grapes. And underneath that, it says, he ain't mad at you. I knew exactly what that meant. And uh, we, I used to often meet with a bunch of guys outside Avondale, Delhi, first thing in the morning, very early, about 8 o'clock around there in the morning, his old reprobates shooting the breeze, and he started joining that, that group. And, of course, the, he was, he's a scary guy. You know, you just look at him, you know, everyone's sort of fairly careful with Alan because I don't know what he would do. I found him really good fun. And the, anyway, he'd be there and someone would see this. Oh, what's that mean? So he'd tell him. He'd tell him. And I, oh, okay. But he uh, might proceed to sort of give, you, give a bit more information of who, how amazing God is. And, and he, he, he would share his faith through his tattoo. He ain't mad at you. You need to know that. You need to know that. He ain't mad at you. So this deep sense of being, by, being loved by God when you're right with God. So shalom takes all that in. That's good, isn't it? That's a good word. That's a good word. It just sounds funny when we use it in English settings, but it's a great word. <laughs> Look, <coughs> so shalom, you could say, yeah, it's to do with 
with security and prosperity and, and harmonious relationships and being right with God. And there's a few more. And if you want to know the few more, ask Kate, our drummer. She's got them on her iPhone. She'll show you what they are. And there's some, some, some great stuff there. So everyone from time to time struggles with something. Everyone from time to time has, has problems. And some of us here today will be having problems and some won't. But we get those times where we say, look, it's just too hard. It's just too hard. It's too hard, Maureen. It's too hard. It's too hard. And I need something. I need someone. I've got all this stress. I've got all this anxiety. My stomach is always churning over. I want to get sick half of the time. I can't eat or I eat too much. My chest is tight. My head's pounding. It's just too hard. I just need something. I just need someone. What you need is that someone who is called Jesus Christ who gives you peace. We're talking about the peace of Jesus, which is a supernatural peace. I was looking at these verses and thought, oh, gee, that's fantastic. Let's have a look at some of them. That's fantastic. There's these fantastic verses in the Bible, and it's full of them. And I'll give you some of them. Now, listen to this one. Listen to this one. This is Philippians Chapter 4, verses, well, it's verse 7, but I'm going to read verse 6. Now, I'm standing deliberately behind the lectern so no one can actually hit me while I read this, right? Well, you think about this. Don't worry about anything. <laughs> How is it when you are really struggling and some well-meaning person, I don't worry about that. Or one of your Christian brothers and sisters says, the Bible tells you not to worry. Just what you need. So don't worry anything. Instead, pray about everything. And you're going through it. And the last thing you want to do is pray or worry. Tell God what you need. I need a bit of peace and I need it now. <laughs> and thank you for all he's done. But the reality is, if you grab hold of yourself, pull yourself up and force yourself to go to the scripture when you're in that frame of mind and say, God, I'm really struggling. I'm going to read this and trust you. This is the word of God. This is God speaking to you. And so the words come again in the midst of all this, don't worry about anything. I don't know what sort of voice God has got when he speaks or what the timber is, but it's probably deeper than mine. So we could get a bit of depth on, my, on the microphone. <laughs> Don't worry about anything. They're probably going to do it. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. This is the peace that surpasses all understanding. <laughs> this is the peace that we can't understand, that we can't explain. We don't have the words for it. There is stuff that goes on in heaven. There is some stuff that goes on in the heart of God that we can feel. We know what it is, but we just don't have it in English or any other earthly language to explain it because this peace is bigger than human peace. This is God's peace. This is Jesus' peace. <laughs> this is Holy Spirit peace. This is supernatural peace. We can't understand it, but we can receive it and we can enjoy it. I was talking to someone in the foyer this morning 
And she said, oh, you want your peace? And I said, I'm going to pay, preach on peace. She said, you know, when I walked in here, it was like this just real sense of peace was there. And I just, it's as if I, I walked in. I probably haven't got the words quite right, but that will do. And it just, I just felt this sense of peace as I came into, into the building. Yeah. This is the presence of God does that. So there's that one. <laughs> then this is what Jesus had to say <laughs> to his disciples. In John 14, verse 27, Jesus is preparing his disciples for him leaving. Very shortly, he'll be arrested and he'll go to the cross. And he says to them, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Hey, if I were handing out you know, gift-wrapped boxes that were full of peace of mind and heart, won't you open it, just basically, you've got it. You'd grab that. Well, Jesus is doing that. It's a gift. And the peace I give is a gift to the world, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Again, when you read these verses, if you're struggling, you read them and start listening to God and trying to hear his voice. Or not trying, but just say, God, I need to hear your voice speak this. I don't want this to be just another bit of Christianese. That, that's, that someone just dumps on me. So here, Jesus is promising them a gift of peace. It is bigger than what the world can give. The world is good at a lot of things, but it can't give this kind of peace. When you read the preceding verse, you realise how massive it is. Verse 26 says, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is the, a gift the world cannot give. And so this, this promise of the Holy Spirit is not just there just because you need to put it somewhere. These two verses are coupled together. They go together. And so this this promised Holy Spirit is also part of the gift of peace. What I'm trying to say here is that Jesus is giving this gift of peace and the Holy Spirit, in a sense, is part of the deal, who ensures, who empowers that gift of peace. Is this making sense? Good, because I'm glad, glad, glad you are, because it was all right to me. Now, Galatians <laughs> chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 how many of you can just rattle off the fruit of the Spirit? I'm not going to make you get up and do it. Just put your hands up if you can. Well, we've got a few. Not too many. Not too many. This is alongside anything else Chad's given you to do this week. Go home and, and remember those. They're not that hard. I mean, love, joy, peace. What's hard about that? Patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There you go. This is what God expects us to be like. And I've heard people say, oh, that's hard. Well, this is the character of Jesus. Yeah, well, that's impossible. Who can live like that anyway? Who can have all that stuff in their life? There's too much stuff. That's impossible. Well, no, it's not. I want to tell you, it's not impossible. It is possible to have it all growing in your life. Why? Because it is the character of Jesus. 
And we are expected to grow up to be like Jesus, to become more and more like him. And when we have this business, it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Guess who empowers us to grow in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Who empowers us? The Holy Spirit empowers us. And so when we're talking about peace, which is a peace from God, which is a supernatural peace that Jesus gives us, the Holy Spirit empowers this peace. He empowers joy. You can even couple peace and joy together. Someone said, someone, it wasn't me, and I wish I did because I'd love to be the author of this saying, but I'm not as clever. And this person said something like, Peace and joy are aspects of the same thing. That peace is joy at rest and joy is peace dancing. Now that's good, isn't it? Do you like that? If you don't, well, I don't know what to do about that, but (laughs) these things are, are to do with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers peace. This is supernatural peace. So we're getting the idea that... The peace of God is not something you can drum up. It is something that you look to God and trust him for because he gives it to you. He gives it to you. You all are someone who can have the peace of God. All of us. It's not a case whether you deserve it. It is a gift of grace. I'm going to go into the Old Testament now because you you knew I'd have to go there. And I want to go to the book of Daniel Who has read the whole book of Daniel? Not that it's hard. Okay, a fair few of you. Who sort of stops partway through because it it gets too strange? (laughs) The first part is full of adventure and and stories and the last part is like, okay, what's this about? And uh... (laughs) So Daniel (laughs) chapter 10. So Daniel is by the Tigris River. I think it says the Tigris River. And he's by the Tigris River. You need to understand, at this part of his life, he's probably in his late 80s. He's obviously fit and well and strong. And Daniel, he's the same Daniel that's always been. He's just a lot older. So he's probably around 87 or 88 for the way I could. I don't know how old he was when he first came there, but I know he's been there a long time when you get to this bit. How old do you reckon he is there, Chad? About that? 88? He might be older than that. Yeah, no, it'd be about that. Depends on how old he was when he came there. I think he came to Babylon, which became the Persian Empire, maybe as a teenager, most likely. Young teenager, maybe 17 or 18. Didn't seem like he was married, so he's probably under 18. So anyway, so he's, he's, he's old, but he's still got all his goods. He's still got all his goods. He has a massive visions. So anyone in their late 80s, you could get visions like this. We want to hear them. So he's on the, on the banks of this river, and then there's this man standing before him. Well, we've got to say it's a supernatural being, most likely an angel. We don't know the name of this being because it doesn't tell us. It, it, it's not Michael, that's quite clear. And it's most likely not Gabriel because Daniel always names Gabriel when he sees him. So Daniel has visions like this. When you look at this, people say, oh, it looks a bit like Jesus out of the book of Revelation. But when you read the rest of the chapter, you think, maybe not. Whoever he is, he is massive, he's huge, he's scary. You listen to this. If someone like this appeared before you and was big... And that probably, you know, at least, at least as big as Andrew up the back there or bigger... So, so listen to this. 
I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem, his face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches, his arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. So I, Daniel, was the only person who saw this vision. But everyone was terrified. Does that sound like those angels you see sometimes? Yeah, she sees angels like this. How come you didn't faint? Daniel fainted. You know, as I was saying, he was no pushover. And you didn't faint. You didn't faint when you saw this, 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 this character. She's seen people like this. <laughs> so Daniel, who's no pushover, who would stand up against <laughs> and speak up before brutal kings sees this creature, this angel, and faints in terror. And then the angel comes up and slaps him a couple of... No, I don't know if he did that. Gets him onto his hands and knees and then onto his feet. And Daniel's trembling and he's weak-kneed. He's got no strength left. The angel touches his mouth and finally he can speak. And then it sort of all comes good. So verse, verse oh, 18... Then the one who looked like a man touched me again and I felt my strength returning. That's a big, a quick change around, isn't it? You don't, I've never recovered with strength whenever I've passed out. I've done that occasionally. <laughs> not from fear, but from other reasons. And it's not from having jet injections either. And, that, and he says, <laughs> don't be afraid, he said, for you, hear this, for you, and for some of you, I want you this to penetrate your heart. You are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, Please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. There's something supernatural going on here. Would you agree? This is really big supernatural stuff. And so this angel says to him, peace, be encouraged, be strong. And it all happens. He gets peace, he gets courage, he gets strong, and he comes good. What I'm saying here, there is a supernatural peace and strength that God can give us. And we all need that for this year. I've got one more scripture, <laughs> although there's probably plenty more, but this one, and this is out of Nehemiah chapter 8. And so we love Nehemiah, don't we, Chad? We love yeah, Nehemiah. Yeah, we, we love Nehemiah. He's one of the good guys. Yeah, I'm really not sure about him at the, at the end of the book of Nehemiah. He's a bit hard there, but I loved him at the first bit. Anyway, Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was an official in the court of the king of the Persian Empire. He was the cupbearer. That meant he would try the king's wine and the food. He was a senior official in the king's court. He was someone of great influence. It just isn't a case of the cupbearers are a dime a dozen, so to speak. Well, if one dies, you just go and get another one. You had to trust that person. You had to really trust them. They tried your wine, they food but also they were always there. So he, in a sense, had the, he had the king's ear to a degree and he could talk to the king through protocol. And so he was someone who was really well up in the palace. He would have been descended from the exiles when they 
came there after Jerusalem had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, decades beforehand. But he would have been brought up in a devout family <laughs> that didn't forget their faith. So he, he knew God and he knew the ways of God and he trusted God. Read the book of Nehemiah and that is really clear. So the temple had been destroyed <laughs> by Nebuchadnezzar and the walls had been ripped down. It was a mess and had never been fixed up. And his brother had been there and he said, it's a disgrace, it's terrible. If your city is like that, you are just like so disgraced. People just jeer at you and look down on you. And he's full of grief and he's aghast. And finally, after some months, the king said, what's the matter with you? Are you sick or something? And he said, well, this is what's going on. And the king agreed to let him go to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and finance the restoration project. Now, that's the hand of God at work. <coughs> so he goes back to Jerusalem, takes a crew with him, pretty well gets there and that night gets on a donkey and goes around the walls and sees what needs to be done because he didn't want enemies to know what they were really up to. Within a couple of days they start rebuilding. Within 52 days they completed the project and hung the, hung the gates. I've seen this wall. I've told you this before, I'll tell you again. When I was in Jerusalem a year or so ago, we went on this walking tour and that's when I hurt my knee, which is <laughs> not hurt anymore. And I couldn't go down through this water tunnel under the walls of Jerusalem, Hezekiah's tunnel, because of my knee. So the guide says to me, our guide, if he said jump, you ask when you come down. He, he was like, he was, he was around 60, but he was, he was a big, tall guy and lean and looked really tough. Former special forces. We're talking about Israeli special forces. Former secret service. We're talking about secret service in Israel. He was the president's bodyguard. He was also a park ranger, which I'm thinking, does that mean just looking after animals and keeping the park tidy, or does that mean something else there? Got a feeling in time of war it means something else. And he had a degree in archaeology. So there you go. That was our guide. He says, you come with me. He talked like that. So I followed him <laughs> down this long series of stairs. I'm going one stair at a time, one stair at a time down. He's bounding down there six stairs at a time, patiently, impatiently waiting for me at the bottom. And we end up in this really nice park. It wasn't very wide. And lawn, there's some trees there and there was a wall over there. And he says, they're going to come out over there. You wait here because they're going to here. Now, see those trees there? Yeah, olive trees. They've been there six or seven, eight hundred years old. I thought, wow, that's amazing. Now, see that wall over there? And there was this wall with like a hill with a wall built into it. He says, see, this, see this, the bottom bit? And there's a bottom bit so high. He said, that's Canaanite, 4,000 years old. See the rest? That's Nehemiah's wall. I thought, Nehemiah's wall? Wow, I love Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah could have put this stone in place for all I know. So I was pretty impressed with that. So <clears throat> anyway, I just had to tell you that story because I just love it. <laughs> I can let pretty well weave any story into anything if I really put the effort in, but Maureen says it's not... Oh, did I do that? <laughs> anyway... So they rebuilt the wall, 52 days to, took to rebuild it, which is no mean feat. They hit all the bobcats and cranes and everything afterwards so we wouldn't know how they did it, but there you go. <laughs> that was a joke. Anyway, 
About a week later, they gather everyone in Jerusalem for this <laughs> massive service. It went from, the, from, from, from early morning till lunchtime. It probably went for six hours reading the law. Hey, people complain about church going too long. Back in the day when I belonged to a different tradition, sometimes in some of those, if you went over an hour, you'd have them complaining. That service was too long. You preached more than 20 minutes and all this sort of stuff. And that, so that's what Maureen's doing. She, she's either reminding me I'm going on too long. Oh, yeah, you have the watch tappers that be going, you know. So it's a good thing you're here, Chad. It's a good thing you're here. This is a much better place to be. But they went for six hours at least. Six hours, and they did it again a few weeks later. And so they're reading the law. And this is what God requires of his people. Now, those people, while they were Jews, they weren't necessarily well-schooled in the law and the ways of God. They knew something, but they didn't know everything. And the penny starts to drop as to why Jerusalem was destroyed decades beforehand because their ancestors had sinned. Read the book of Kings and Chronicles and, and Isaiah and you'll realise they sinned in a way that was just absolutely disgraceful and disgusting. It was awful. And so Jerusalem was, was destroyed. That was their punishment. They went to exile and they're realising what their ancestors done. But they also realised that their behaviour probably wasn't all that good either that they were sinning before God. And they just break down weeping. Just break down weeping. Now, the Bible's supposed to bring you joy and hope, but here, it, it just brought them to their knees. And they're crying and they're weeping, and the Levites are saying, yeah, don't cry, this is a day to celebrate. The Nehemiah joins them, don't cry, don't weep. This is a day to celebrate for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I've said this before, the word strength here <laughs> has the sense of being a secure stronghold. It is massive, it is big, so it has to be supernatural. So the joy of the Lord <laughs> is your strength. It's supernatural joy we're talking about here. And as I said earlier on about peace and joy being different aspects of the same thing, you could quite easily put the word peace in there and saying the peace of the Lord is your strength, a secure stronghold. Peace of the Lord is, is, has this sense of safety and, and, and being looked after, built into it. You're getting this? You got this? Yep. Okay. I'm going to just move out of here now because I'm just about there. So the peace of God is a supernatural thing. It is supernatural it comes from Jesus and it's fueled by the Holy Spirit. It is a big word piece. The word shalom is a massive word. A lot of people use it as a greeting. If you go to modern day Israel, people will greet each other, shalom. They'll say goodbye, shalom. And we do this here. There may be some of you here who, you, who like to do that. Sometimes I receive letters or more emails and it'll start with shalom or finish with shalom. It can be a greeting or it can be a blessing as the same greeting comes from the heart. Back in the day when 
I belong to those other traditions. One of the things they really liked to do in the service was pass the peace. Has anyone experienced that? Put up your hand if you have. Yeah, there's quite a few understand that. And so you'd go to someone and take their hand and you'd say, the peace of the Lord be with you. And they'd say, and with you. Now, for some, <coughs> they hated it. They just didn't want to do it. It disrupted the service. For others, they liked it because they liked going and greeting people. And then every now and then you'd get one, they'd probably take with both hands and say, the peace of the Lord be with you. And it becomes a blessing. Didn't happen a lot because most people just didn't get that, but there were some who really did. And so peace, shalom to another person can be a massive blessing. In Israel, <coughs> on Friday, as the afternoon progresses as to the Sabbath to start, they say to each other, Shabbat Shalom, which means Sabbath peace. And it's a greeting or it's a blessing depending on the depth of, of your, your faith in God and your relationship with God. So we're staying <laughs> in the old city of Jerusalem and we're staying in the Jewish quarter in this hotel called Sephardic Education Centre and the hotel was part of that. It was a really old building and the education centre, the, there's rooms all mixed up in that, there's different levels and it was just fascinating with archways and nooks and crannies and, and you, it's a sort of place if you like to explore, this is a great place to explore. Anyway, I went into this library and there's this beautiful library about from here to the wall away and, and about to the back of the room. There's a decent sized place with these polished wooden cabinets and carpets and this big table and the books were stunning, just beautifully bound, all in Hebrew. <laughs> it would have been a scholar's library. And so you would have had devout Jews <laughs> coming to Jerusalem for various things, and some of them would stay there. Some of them would use the education centre. Other Christian groups, <laughs> Christian groups would also stay there, like ours. We saw some of them. None of us speak to you. You see each other and just look at each other and not sort of like, hi, brother, you know, even though you couldn't speak the language. It didn't happen. Finally, I spoke to one of their leaders who looked like a priest. I said, hey, how are you going? He couldn't speak English, but at least we started communicating. That was something. Anyway, <laughs> this particular day, it was a Friday, and I went down into the foyer and it was full of people. They looked like they could be devout Jews. This, a lot of the men had, had the long hair with the ringlets and the beards. They didn't really have the big hats around that part. Some of them had massive hats. It was unbelievable. Most of them had the little thing that goes on the top, which I've forgotten the name. And, uh, and the women <laughs> were conservatively dressed, but really smartly dressed. They, there was a lot of effort went into the appearance of men and women. And this little kid, he was about two, walks up to me. He had the long hair and the ringlets and, and sort of dressed sort of traditionally. He didn't have the beard though, but he had the ringlets. <laughs> and he comes up to me and he's saying something. <laughs> so I, I squatted down to him to hear what he's saying. And his grandma leaned over and she said, he's saying Shabbat Shalom. She had an American accent. And, I, and he's going, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. And I Shabbat Shalom to you. And I thought, wow. This kid is being socialised into their customs and traditions, which is a good thing, but also trained to start to learn how to bless people. Now, that is a good thing to do with our kids. A kid can start learning to bless others just by learning from you and watching you. 
So, 2021, peace. A deep sense of well-being from God. Shalom for each of us. Today, I want each of us to go out of here with a deep sense of blessing burned in our hearts, knowing that God is with us, knowing that you are loved by God, knowing the peace of God, a peace you can't explain, going out of here with confidence and hope and shalom. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day.